This is Scarlet Stangata. This Masocast is for those who are 18 years of age or older. So if you're not, please turn away now. Hi, this is Ravenesque. I'm a submissive female. I really enjoy the Masocast. I've listened to every one of your podcasts. I love all the different people you interview. It's very informative, and I look forward to future podcasts. Take care and keep up the great work. Sexy voices make me think, and that question, so how did you get started in kink? Sadists, sluts, subs, doms, and slaves, here's a place where all are safe. All Massacast, all Massacast, can you hear it? Hear it, here, kink is in your ear Licentiously, pervertedly, alluringly, luring me I'll just be listening to Massacast 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 Hello, and welcome to another episode actually doing something a little different this time. I'm uh, recording recording this on my phone as I walk down the streets of Manhattan. Originally, I, I was a little self-conscious about doing it until I realized that people talk to themselves on the streets of Manhattan all the time. This is really no big deal. So uh, I realized a few months ago that this February is going to be the one-year anniversary of the podcast, which doesn't sound that impressive until you realize that it's lasted longer than Conan O'Brien's Tonight Show. Fucking Leno. So anyway, a friend called me up. Pardon the noise, there's a train going overhead. A friend called me up and said, you know, someone should interview you for the podcast. And I said, okay. So that's what you're going to hear. Well, first of all, then, I just want to say happy anniversary, Axe. You know, thanks for um, bringing this great podcast to the, uh, you know, kink multi- multimedia world out there. Um, I, you know, you've got how many, how many listeners? listeners? Uh, well, see, that's a, that's a hard thing to answer because, you know, they can give you statistics of how many people listen. But on average, around five, between five and six thousand a month. Okay. Wow. Most of them are my mom. <laughs> But, but yeah, it's around five or six thousand. Okay, that's great. Well, going to mom, mm. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to open with like the most um, traditional question. Then, what's your story of origin? You know, who would ask such a question? Exactly. Who did <laughs> when did you know yes. that you were kinky? Um, you know, um, well, I was. I was. I didn't. I knew about being kinky before I knew about sex you know when girls still had girl germs and stuff like that I was daydreaming of Wonder Woman tying someone up and there was an episode of the Dukes of Hazard where Daisy Duke tied up someone and um, I knew that Daisy Duke was considered attractive but of course girls still had girl germs but for some reason when Daisy Duke tied up this bad guy I was like wow that's really appealing to me and there was a few shows where I remember a few TV shows where there were women and girls who were tying up men and boys and stuff like that. And they weren't doing anything to them. They were just tying them up. Mm-hmm. And that really appealed to me. And so I would um, sneak away and tie myself up sometimes, just daydreaming of being tied up. Now, 
you know, this is before, again, I knew about sex, before girls had girl, you know, before girls were anything but gross. But for some reason, I still had these images of the powerful women overpowering me, tying me up, sometimes encasing me in concrete or something like that, except for my, my head, you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they never did anything. They were just like, we've tied you up. All right, that's it. You know, that, that was the extent of my fantasy. You know, so it wasn't really... They didn't do anything. They just tied me up just for the sake. And I didn't ever do anything to warrant it. So my, my fantasy, I didn't... I wasn't actually drawing anything really... There was no reason they were tying me up. So I, I really didn't put that together. Apparently, it didn't matter. It was just... So, the rest was censored in the head. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, so I didn't... Uh, but, uh, yeah, but I also knew it was something that shouldn't be uh, explained to anybody else. Uh, for some reason, I also knew that this was this was not something I should tell mom and dad that I go off and tie myself up, you know. Mm. Um, so you did self-bondage as mm-hmm. a little kid. Yeah, quite a bit of it, yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people who start that way also. Yeah. So was bond- so bondage was like a, the main theme of your, of your desires for a long time? Yeah, well, but for a very long time. And... Um, and I stopped after a little because my little brother walked in on me once when I was tied up. And, tied up how? Uh, details. <laughs> I, I was, I think I was tied, um, I was in, I grew up on a farm, so I was in a barn and I had tied my uh, ankles together and uh, that had been tied to the wall around a pulley system. It was actually, this is really kind of gross, but there's a pulley that's used when, when a cow is giving birth if... If the calf is not coming out all the way, you basically hook up a wench to the wall, tie it around the ankle of the the calf, and then pull the calf out, right? <laughs> so there's a, it's a pulley system, and that's how you... And so I had my legs tied around this pulley, and um, and I was lifting my legs up off the ground. And um, my brother walked in, and was like, what are you doing? And I told him I was practicing for a magic act. And um, he seemed to buy it. Of course... He never asked, <laughs> but so whatever happened to that magic act? He was probably four at the time or something like that, you know. And how old were you? Oh, uh, wow. I would have been, I was probably ten. Hmm. Yeah, nine or ten. Um, but again, I wasn't naked or anything like that. I was fully clothed because there was nothing sexual about it. And then later, after I discovered masturbation, uh, all of a sudden, wow, these women in my fantasies had to had something to do to me while I was tied up. <laughs> you know, there were... All these same the women. Second I had, chapter came in. Exactly. It was like <laughs> the series continues. Yeah, it was part two of it. I was like, wow. All of a sudden, this is really hot. You know, wow. Can't believe that. Now Wonder Woman, you know, had sex with me when I was tied up in my in my same fantasy. So that's how. That's pretty much how I realized I liked the idea of being controlled and bound by uh, attractive. Daisy Duke and Wonder Woman types. And who wouldn't want to be? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So then let me ask you about masochism too then. How did you, um, how did that start filtering into your, into your fantasies or into your play? Or did you, did you know right away that you were also a masochist? Or is that something that was introduced to you later since it seemed to be like bondage was your first um, Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know. I, I just realized this now, but I didn't really uh, incorporate pain or anything like that in, into any of my fantasies until, I mean, I, I knew it was out there, but um, in my fantasies, it was always, there was always some kinky stuff going on that eventually led to sex, and pain was never part of that. Maybe some spanking or stuff, stuff like that, but really, I never, 
I never thought about pain ever and um, uh, until it was actually just before I moved to New York I met someone who she was really into very very heavy heavy spanking and um, but it, I mean so that was the first time I thought when I experienced some pain mm-hmm. with sex uh, or with play and I remember thinking, okay, this is all right, you know. But I, but she really didn't wasn't into it that much. She was into it uh, just because she thought that's what one, what one was supposed to do. She wasn't a sadist or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then after I moved to New York, um, I met a few sadists, and um, a number a number of times I was told, wow, you can really take a lot of pain, um, which I didn't know, you know, compared to what or how that. How does one quantify such a thing? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm a different kind of masochist in, in that uh, while I do crave pain, at many uh, quite often I'll crave pain, it doesn't usually sexually turn me on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think I crave more of the control that comes behind it and also, especially if I'm with a sadist who gets off on it, then I really enjoy it. Most of my most of what I enjoy, it depends on the other person enjoying it. So you enjoy pain too, to please your please your top. <laughs> right, and, but I, also I, I, there, are, there are times I really crave it, of course. Uh-huh. Um, okay, what about um, sort of the other part of the origin story, which is the next step of going from knowing that you're kinky or figuring that out to discovering the kink community? What, what was that like? My first experience in New York was going to uh, Paddles. It was the day I moved to New York. I went to Paddles. Well, you went straight to Paddles. Huh? Yes, well, that was the reason That's I moved right. to you New York. You put your bags down. <laughs> exactly. It's sort of like the movie. <laughs> like, you know, the young kid who comes to the city and they go, I don't know, straight to the theater or yes, something, yes. and you go straight to Paddles. Oh, one day my name will be in lights, you know. <laughs> exactly. And I walked into Paddles, and I remember, because I looked at the website, uh, and um, I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> this is why I moved here. There's going to be so many women there. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to have to take, you know, I'm going to have to take numbers. Daisy Duke, Linda Carter, yes. all the Everyone's going to be there. I remember thinking, uh, I remember thinking, I know sex isn't allowed in paddles. I wonder if I'll have, we'll have to go like around a corner and have sex or uh, I won't worry about that. You know, we'll have sex probably, you know. I was just in my mind. I thought this is gonna be huge. This is gonna be the mecca, right? This is gonna be. Mm-hmm. And I walk in, and there's like five. I don't know how to describe them without sounding offensive. The five gentlemen who were big, burly, hairy, older, and gave off an odor uh, of some. I think it was an odor of combination of bacon. Cheese and mm. motor oil, or something, you know. Yeah, I've met those guys. Yes, <laughs> a few times, I think. You, you know the place. Um, and, and you know, if there was a, a band that followed me around, when I opened the door, you would have heard wah wah wah. It was the most. I mean, I I still remember feeling this huge pain in my heart when seeing that, and I was like, oh, damn. And then I, I waited around. I thought, okay, well, it's early. You know, it's early. Maybe you know, it was like ten o'clock. You know, maybe it picks up. Uh, and then later, this woman walked in. I was like, wow. Oh. And so it begins. I remember thinking, this is it. <laughs> and uh, she walks in, and all of a sudden, there's two guys, you know, kissing her feet, one on each foot. I'm thinking, what? Well, what's going on here? You know. And this guy goes, are you next? I'm like, what do you mean? 
oh well, it's for fifty dollars or whatever it was. You know, you can you can kiss her feet. And I'm like, oh shit. You know, <laughs> damn. And um, so that was probably my introduction to the to the kink community here. But uh, <laughs> it got much better eventually. Right to that got, one small aspect. Of yes, the kink one very small. That, that was my introduction. Well, actually, to that me. small aspect was probably a probably yeah. <laughs> a big portion of everybody's first experience. Right, sure. But which is good. I mean, you'd rather be disappointed first and then relieved and elated later, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than think you know be introduced to something you think is going to be really awesome and then turns out to be shitty years later, right? Right. Well, I think that the kink community has definitely um, expanded in the past few years to a younger crowd also. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond the club scene. I think a lot of, like, a lot more um, younger people are getting involved with community, community out, you know, outreach, whatever, yeah. projects, Absolutely. teaching. I'm going to just backtrack then, and instead of talking about the podcast that you've been doing... Um, Go back to the you know unspeakable acts, the blogging that you've been doing for the past what four years. Um, started in well, I looked it up. Okay, okay. it started in October '06. <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't worry, I did my homework. Holy crap! This four years? I had no idea. Yeah, and your first. Okay, I just want to just go over you know <laughs> that your first entry was um, to state what your what your uh, blog was going to be about. Mm-hmm. And you had like these certain hopes, so I'm just going to read them off and oh, see crap. if we can tick them oh, off. Jesus. Okay, first, the first, uh, the first goal was that this was a journal to search for dominant women. Plural, of course, <laughs> of course, because I'm a greedy bastard. Right, but I think I think you did very well. Yes, yeah, very much so. <laughs> Be to get good advice um, on conducting the search. Okay. All right, and then see. Uh, to an outlet for frustration so your friends could take a break from your complaining. Yes. And then D, to geek stuff. So you want to make a comment on, like, I guess all, all four of those. Uh, <laughs> I think, well, the, uh, the geek stuff, I remember, I remember originally I was thinking, well, I can talk about the things I'm really passionate about, which would be kinky sex with attractive women and computer technology. <laughs> for some reason, I think at the beginning I thought, well, and I can also blog about you know, technology too. I can do both, and obviously, for some reason, I really didn't do. I didn't really do any technology for some. Reason. I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't think anyone was going to read it. Really, I mean, I, to meet dominant women, yes, I did that. I did uh, uh, both good and bad, which is perfect. Anyone can expect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, advice. I got. I, I suppose I got a lot of good advice, but I don't know if I took all of the good advice either. But. Um, what was the third thing? Outlet for your frustrations so that oh, your yeah. friends could take a break from your complaining. Did you still complain to your friends? I still complain to my friends, yes. like... But I think I complained to them less because I definitely had an, an outlet for it. But, yeah, I definitely... That whole blog... Uh, obviously, there's... I, I write considerably less on it now because I have... I can't think of anything to complain about. <laughs> so I maybe only blog, you know, once a month or twice a month or something like that. But, um... Yeah, I definitely complained and moped and uh, pouted quite a bit on the blog, especially when it started. Yeah. <laughs> but people love that, <laughs> the self-deprecating and, and, you know, complaining about the scene. I mean, it, it was a real journey, you know. I mean, if you take a look at your blog, actually, and kind of re- detach it from your the fact that it's you, mm-hmm. it really does look like some kind of HBO special <laughs> like episodes, you know, where everybody's, like, rooting for this guy who, like, is, is you know, com- completely, you know, down the dumps and complaining about his love life, and then 
and then you know it is in this really finally you know everybody can cheer (laughs) as I sit here in your cozy you know dungeon slash home (laughs) and it's a it's great you know you know that's the that's the I mean I I, I, someone did mention to me like oh you should you should you should make this into a book or something and I don't think I'd ever assume that no one would believe it (laughs) well not just that but it's just so if if it were a book it would just be the most depressing read in uh in why? Why do you say that? You don't think it gives that your story actually gives hope to the? To the oh, well, I suppose okay. if you know the ending beforehand, yeah. But it's was. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it's just so. People would send me like, "Oh God, I'm so sorry." You know, "Are you okay?" or something like. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, I'm fine. You know, and they just assume. <laughs> and then when they'd meet me in person, if someone would read, read the blog and they'd meet me in person, they'd go, "You know, you seem a lot happier than I imagined." You know, yeah. they just imagine me some goth guy in the corner. You know, just. Like what's one, his name? One foot off the bridge. Exactly. I'll do it. <laughs> well, you said that there's no there's no good advice to uh, to give for dating, but uh, one of your one of your question readers did did ask, do you have any advice now then, especially from your from your experience having gone on the complete upswing? Um, because obviously, as I said, I think that you know, Though it was completely unplanned to be like this, I think that your story, your personal story, actually does give inspiration uh, to all those you know lonely submissives out there, those desperately seeking submissives. So, right. do you have any advice to to those you know to both men and women who are trying to date in the scene and are just so frustrated with the same things that you you know vented about for years? I think I think the I was actually I was just writing back. Someone emailed me. Uh, a guy who's a 22-year-old virgin submissive, and he's looking for a dominant woman. And he had all this, he had this really long email asking for advice and stuff like that. And I think the the most important thing is don't make the same mistakes I did. Just relax, because whether it happens or not, just enjoy the journey, because you're going to waste a lot of time if you... I mean, there were times when I spent six hours every night sending emails to you know there were there were times when I pro- I spent more time sending emails to dominant women corresponding with dominant women finding new ways to meet dominant women going to events and I spent more time doing that per week than I did working my nine-to-five job mm-hmm. um, and you know that was such a way wa- I wasted so much time I wasted- well, why do you say that it's obviously paying off well, yeah, but, but I say that because um, most of the dates I found mm-hmm. were when I met someone in person. Um, and most of, I should say, most of the positive experience I've, I've had is when I met people in person, yeah. and uh, and I would go to a party or something like that. That was just because of me relaxing and me just and by just being casual. And I know this is going to sound cliche, but just being myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I met people who were really cool that I emailed on Caller Me or Alt or Craigslist or whatever like that and that was that was fine, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I could have I could have done that by spending three hours a week, you know? Right. I could have done the exact same thing spending three hours a week. The person I'm with now I met um, because I was just being I was just being you know being myself, relaxing, doing you know no, you met me because you were wearing leather pants. Okay, I, I know, but I was wearing leather pants. <laughs> at a party, but was, or was yes. it not at a party? Yeah, but it was a it was a very but it was a very relaxing situation, and it was, you know, all of the work and all of the you know spending eight hours. 
putting Craigslist. I mean, I would have three Craigslist ads up almost every week, right? Yeah. I mean, different Craigslist ads. And, and I'd have friends write Craigslist ads for me. And it was just so much energy put into something that I, if I had just relaxed and enjoyed the enjoyed the journey mm-hmm. instead of just focusing so hard on the destination um, I probably would have had a lot more fun along the way mm-hmm. than I did but fuck it I don't care I'm fine now I mean everything's great now so I mean, I'm like <laughs> I mean that's but that's the big I think that's the big thing most submissive guys do and maybe women too I don't know maybe this is probably this is probably in the vanilla world as well is that I think submissive guys especially because it's such a hard thing to find it's, it's really hard to find a dominant woman to, to date or even to go on a first date with mm-hmm. um, because it's really hard they really just freak out about the opportunity of it right you know submissive guys I think really spend a lot of time focusing on this and and obsessing literally obsessing about this that if they just relaxed um, mm-hmm. I would say just relax that would be the biggest the long story short, relax. All right. And get out there personally rather yeah. than just in the cyber world. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I agree too. I think that there's too much cyber stuff going on. And once people, when, when people meet via cyber world, then there are, they, they fall into the fantasy role mm-hmm. rather than trying to connect personally on a personal level, um, on a real level. Yeah. <laughs> they just it, I automatically fall into the, may I lick your you know, boots mistress thing. And... Um, whereas when you're actually out face to face, it's a good chance to see if that can actually form rather than jumping into that right away. Right. I mean, and if, if both people are just looking for a one time thing, then sure, maybe that fantasy thing is, is fine, you know, right. whatever. But, um, even if it's just looking for a casual ongoing play partner or something like that, mm-hmm. um, it's so hard to tell vocal inflection and sincerity and everything else from an email, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, there were some women who I know I had emailed on Caller Me, and then they had met me in person like a year later, and they were and, and at the time I was dating someone, and they would say, "Well, where were you when I was looking for someone on Caller Me?" I said, "I fucking emailed you on Caller Me <laughs> many times, you know." But they get so many emails. Yeah, they're flooded. They just they'll bulk delete, you know, unless something really stands out. Mm-hmm. So you know. Which who can blame them? You know, when you get 500 emails a day or something crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because when you, you know, I know that it's really hard for submissive men in the scene to find a dominant woman. But at the same time, all of my dominant female friends also complain about how hard it is to date in the scene, too. So it's, yeah. I think it's like a, it's the same for both the both sides. Like, I don't know. It's just, um, you hear, I mean, you just hear the different complaints. You know, the doms are are very much, well, especially pro-doms. Anybody in the pro-dom scene, it's really hard for people to, you know, for them to find people who are going to either get over the fact that they're in the industry or not see, see them for just, you know, the girl yeah. in boots with a whip in their hand. Um, yeah. It's... Well, I think we talked about this once before, too, is that um, having realistic expectations, knowing that, yes, she's... In, in in the submissive guy's mind, she's a goddess, right? She is. But at the same time, nobody can live up to that expectation 24 hours a day. Seven. Nobody wants to be on that pedestal all the time, right? right? It's really, it's a difficult thing. Just to treat her like a person, you know, is... And just treat her like someone who's, 
you know, a real person instead of this idea, then uh, it it definitely it definitely helps. You know, if you're just doing a little play scene or something like that, then that's you know that's a different story. But for a relationship or something like that, it's really unrealistic to to assume. Um, that was a problem of mine early on when I first moved to New York is that I would think, you know, I would meet these really awesome people, people who are friends of mine now, but I would think, oh, well, she's not dominant enough, you know? <laughs> That's what I would think because yeah. for who knows whatever reason, you know? Well, you've always heard the, the thing from other dominant women too, where dominant women say, oh, he's too submissive. Yes. I was always, I'm always like, what do you mean? You, you're looking for a submissive person to play with? How can somebody be too submissive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are you talking about? I heard that so often. I heard that so many times. But that that goes back to the vanilla world too, though. It's Mm -hmm. if it goes back to the challenge. People like a challenge, right? Right. And so they set themselves up for failure just by putting these barriers on what they what they expect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I just want to quote something from you, too, because this is one of the, you know, when I first started reading your blog, which was, I guess, about two years ago when we met, Mm -hmm. um, this is the quote that totally drew me in that I loved, <laughs> which was, um, uh, so maybe I'm a slave if that's someone who, who enjoys DS outside of the bedroom. If that scares you away, then I'm a submissive. If that scares you away, then I'm just kinky. If that scares you away, then I'm just jerking off at home. <laughs> and I love that. And I think that's like one of the best quotes ever from your, from your blog, although there's you know, a lot of great, great entries in there. Um, that was really hard to type while jerking off, I should point out. <laughs> So BDSM is like a culture of, of self-identification. Mm-hmm. Constantly, you know, we're saying, okay, we're slave, we're top, we're bottom, we're, you know, this kind. Of, and then there's all different kinds of submissive, you know, of submissive service, submissive, basket yeah. um, submissive, bondage submissive. Um, do you bother defining yourself, especially now that you're in a relationship? Do you, the two of you, actually talk about those kinds of identifications? Or is it more of a just like a flow or... It's really a flow. I mean, uh, she does. You know, she does refer to me as her slave, mm-hmm. uh, and I think of myself that way as well. Um, if someone refers to me as a submissive, I don't correct them or anything like that. I don't say no. It's it's slave. You know, I don't do that. Right. There are some people out there who definitely do. I'm not one of those people because you know I could mm-hmm. care less. But right. but you know, in my definition, I I, I do consider myself one. But um, um, probably also because it sounds hotter during sex to hear someone call to have the person you love call you a slave is, is sexier than submissive for some reason I don't know why mm-hmm. I, I think those were probably the, the several the, the several faceted email the several faceted ways that I consider myself a slave and it ends with my penis <laughs> well submissive is a very long word to use while you're while you're That's um, true. orgasming too yes. <laughs> I don't know for the top yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, just uh, I don't know I think that sleep's pretty hot too. Yeah. Um, I don't really bother too much with with the technical definitions of yeah self identification. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, <laughs> as you know. Um, but ownership is something that's very personal to me. I mean, I don't you know flash contracts and stuff like that constantly, but I just I do find that you know just this very intimate relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's really. It is a very intimate thing, you know. Just to me, you know, the collar was really just a huge, uh, you know, revelation, and it was a real kind of a relief thing and kind of a shock to my system in a way. 
mm-hmm. in a way because it was <laughs> like the holy grail had been found for well, you. <laughs> yeah, but it was that at the same time. It was, it was real. like it was like holy crap. What am I gonna do with my time? You know, <laughs> I'm gonna have all this time. You know. Um, from, but actually, I'd experience from, from looking for the dog to the, now, now that you already found one. Right, which well, I had. now it all the time goes to serving her. Exactly. <laughs> so that's good. Well, I mean, I, had, I mean, before her, I, I mean, I, I had uh, relationships with people before her. Mm-hmm. Um, they were usually casual or well, I don't want to say make it. It wasn't. It was more than a friend with benefits type of thing. It was dating. Mm-hmm. There were two people, you know, before her, two people before her that I met that were just awesome, incredible people, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, so it's not like I was looking for someone else while I was dating them, um, but for some reason the caller just—it was like, wow, this is just, this is very, you know, I have no idea what happens now. This is really cool, you know. This is really awesome. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's great, though. Um, and do you do you mind if I ask personal questions about your relationship sure. then? Because some of the readers wanted to know a few things too. Although I don't know if I'm going to get into everything. Um, so as you've been going along, then have you just been been coming up with the rules, or does she state all the rules? Um, um, yeah, I mean, she uh, it's it's very it's very flowing. There aren't uh, there aren't too many, you know, we don't have a contract or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are rules like um, only two cigarettes a day without permission. You know, I can mm-hmm. I, I, if anything beyond two, I have to ask for permission. You know, okay, which is an obvious awesome thing, right? Um, and other things like uh, cleaning schedules and stuff, which I asked for. I specifically asked for, um, because there's I'm really bad. There's I mean, it's, it helps to know what the things you're bad at. I'm really bad at looking at a room and knowing what needs to be done uh, for cleaning and stuff. I'm so much better if someone tells me exactly, not down to the you know point. But like for example, today's Tuesday. I mop the floors on Tuesdays. So today I sweep and mop the floors. Tomorrow. You know, yesterday it was get groceries, and, and so every day there's a new thing. Those are the, you know, it's really all practical things, you know. Right. Um, Domestic duties. Yeah. Oh, and, and another one, and this is really personal, but whatever. She would, she, she, I knew she would correct me. She would say, why didn't you mention this if I, if I didn't mention it? Um, I'm not, I'm not allowed to masturbate. Mm-hmm. And uh, That was one of the readers. <laughs> yes, there you go. Okay. Actually. Not allowed yeah. to masturbate. I haven't done that alone for like seven months or something like that. It's like I... Yeah. It's uh, and then uh, I know it's the same as our rules. Right there you go. And then <laughs> he'll tell you like seven months, three years. Right. right exactly. But, which is you know, and and then the other thing is is no uh, even when, while we're having sex, no orgasms without permission. So. Right. Um, I think that's essential. <laughs> I think that should be essential of all marriages and, and, and right, relationships exactly. in general. Um. All right, let me just flip my pages here. <laughs> That's a lot of we notes, by some, the way. Well, I, I was writing down the reader's questions, but I'm not asking you all of them because a lot of what you're answering has covered some of that. Um, what issues have come up for you as a blogger uh, writing about your sexual life and how have your partners reacted um, and I was just wondering, do you always send out for approval first, even those bad dates that you, that you um, went on? Did you send them out to those bad dates and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to write right. about you? Well, the bad dates never knew that I had a blog. Okay. Um, so that was very helpful. So, yeah. Um, I made the mistake. I, I met one person who was just this awesome 
awesome person, and she was she did not identify as uh, well. She knew she was dominant, but she didn't identify as being in the kink world or anything like that. And she uh, she she was dominant, but she didn't she didn't have any interest in all the accoutrement and all the you know all the mm-hmm. paddles and bondage gear and all that stuff. But she was dominant. But uh, I really liked her a lot, and she was one of the first people. She was the first per- person that I had a kinky relationship with, like a real relationship. Um, and I made the mistake of not telling her because I assumed, well, we're not going to be together in three weeks. She's going to realize how kinky I am and she's going to drop me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't tell her about the blog. And then uh, about three weeks, maybe it was a month later, I said, because I realized, oh, this is going somewhere. And so I sent her, I sent her, uh, you know, I told her about it. I said, oh, by the way, I have a blog. And then when she read it, she freaked out, and understandably so, mm-hmm. um, and felt that I had betrayed her trust and all this stuff. And I didn't use her name or any identifiable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we worked through it. But then I learned pretty early on, okay, this is something I have to tell someone, you know, right away. If it's someone who I really like, I have to, t- I have to say, or, or even if I think I might really like, I have to tell them about, this is the blog, right? Like the person I'm currently with, she had read my blog long before we ever went out on a date or anything like that, and so she kind of had a, oh, you know, a little crush on me or whatever based on that, which is a good thing that I didn't know, or else I would have totally changed my writing. Right? <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> I was just, oh boy, you know, hard day at work today. It's so difficult walking around with such an incredibly large penis. You know, <laughs> so I would be catering just to her. Just to try to, you know, appeal more to her or something like that. Um, I feel like I can take so much pain yeah, today. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. How about this one? How does being submissive relate to the rest of your life? Personal, spiritual, family growth. Do you fit kink into your life or your life around kink? I, um, wow, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that also, I mean, this person also wrote that, you know, they're coming from a standpoint of being much older. And I think that, you know, as we were talking about, like right now, you don't have to worry about fitting kink into your life because you can do it every day and it's, right. it's fine. You know, I think that's when somebody then is, I don't know, with kids or, Uh-oh. you know, how do you fit, you know, I think that might be a more appropriate question for somebody who has um, other things that are would stand in the way of kink yeah i can see that i mean you know it's just like anything else in life it's the little things really Mm -hmm. i mean yes the uh getting spanked while you're having sex and having a mind-blowing or you know multiple you know orgasm with your partner who's having an orgasm at the same time while they're dripping wax on your back Mm -hmm. from a trapeze is awesome right but at the same time kissing her feet while she's sleeping in bed before you go to work is pretty awesome too yeah. you know uh whether she, and then and then that little smile that gets on her face right when she does it even though she's still sleeping you can you know her subconscious knows you did it right mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome too so there are always little ways you can uh you know i think that's one great thing about at least our relationship and i, I don't want to make it sound like i don't know it sounds it sounds kind of I don't know corny or something like that but you know um that's the the real the real nice thing about the relationship we have is that it's um it doesn't have to be the big things to be kinky and it doesn't have to be the big things to be hot and submissive and dominant you know it can be anything from 
I'm washing dishes and she just starts staring at me and then she pinches my ass while she goes to the fridge and then she just stares at me and objectifies me a little bit and then she goes back to going her laptop and works, you know. That's just as... I should say that's almost just as awesome as, you know. Yeah, and it becomes a part of your normal everyday life. It's almost like it's not something that you feel like, okay, I'm stepping into the character of submission now or even from her standpoint, oh, I'm going to do something dominant now. It's more just... It's your character. It's it's who you are. Yeah. So it flows naturally. I think as as your emotional connection gets closer, the sex is still important, but it's not the you know. Yeah, I think that's with all relationships. Yeah, it's like with all relationships. relationships too. Right. You know, it starts off like for the first couple of years, like zooming and yeah. then whatever. Yeah. But um, but what I love about kink relationships is that there is always a little bit of an erotic tension because I think we get into kink because we're we're hypersexual. You know, yeah. we're not. Where um, you know it, it zooms my mind when I'm when when I meet people who are not who are not sexual who are not you know and I'm not sure like what to talk to them about yeah. you know do I, you know because I almost find something kinky in almost everything right yeah. like you know so but what's great about relationships that you know last a little you know after this second or third year in kink and what I've seen from even marriages in kink is that it's easier to keep going and and hot and alive because there's that element of oh this is what we do together this is like yeah. you know sex isn't just something a a thing that's just done under the covers this is like a project that you do together <laughs> you know because uh, i always think about how um you know my partner has um very few hobbies i have a lot of hobbies and yeah. he has very few hobbies but you know the major one is, is kink yeah and um and that's great because then we'll always have something to do together that's, exactly that's not necessarily maybe it's tied somewhat to the bedroom but it's not necessarily always in the bedroom it's it's always it's out and about it's you know <laughs> passing lingerie store it's out but you know it's when we're at the restaurant whether I want to have him in chastity or, or on an electrical leash or yeah, yeah. And I think it can just be, can be ongoing without having to be constantly the um the act because nobody can have 24-7 sex constantly right so it can all, but it, everything can be kind of erotic without necessarily being sexual yeah and it, it makes the actual sex even more mm-hmm. more so you know don't you feel like don't you just like feel like you just want to pinch yourself every day and just be like oh my god how can I because I still feel like that you know and I've been in this relationship for a while yeah and um I don't know it's just, it just kind of blows my mind I'm, you know, because I'm just always like, wow, how did everything just fit so easily and perfectly? And, and, you know, there were so many relationships in the past where I had to try and really work to make it fit and, and try to figure out what the, you know, yeah. what the BDSM was all about in it and what roles did we play? What roles were, were I, was I not comfortable with? Yeah. You know, and how much openness of like the poly um, side was in it and how much I'm really not okay with and I don't want to be okay with and yeah. I'm fine being, you know, perfectly monogamous now. You know? Sure. So, like, yeah, do, are you just constantly in, like, bliss? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of in shock. I'm like, wow, how did, yeah, I, I'm kind of like, how did this happen, you know? Yeah. And I didn't, because of, out of all of my, emailing and shitty dating and craigslisting and all that crap i still you know i ended up finding someone despite myself right and it was 
you know, it was it was not in any of those areas that I was thought I was going to find the person. Right? It was that was the the silly part. It was it had nothing to do with that. I mean, yeah, you could say that I you know because I because I met the right person through the blog, then I met this person, then I got in this social circle, then I got then I met you, then I met got in this social circle, then I that that led me to meet you know meet her. Um, but still, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I was expecting. And Wow. I think that, um, I'm going to make you blush now. <laughs> I just think that, you know, you're, you've been really sincere and you're just, you're a great, you know, you're a great guy in the scene. And I was actually one person who did write to her after you guys got together and didn't congratulate her. <laughs> I read your post about congratulations. Right. Um, but I did say that, that it was really, you know, I just said, well, I'm really happy for both of you <laughs> I thought it was because I, I just you know I, when we had met and I was already in a serious relationship but I just had posted and told all of my my friends that there's this really dateable guy so you, when, you have to you, you know you have to meet him I mean because you know all these dom ladies they as you know I said before it, it's hard from from the top side also the dom uh, lady side to not to find submissive men, but to find submissive men you want to date who are dateable. Right. So what about the podcast? Um, what have you gained from the podcast? Like, I mean, your podcast has been amazing. You've been able to like actually talk to people and have it be more interactive than, than although people do write to you on your blog. But um, what's the most exciting thing that you've been getting from your, your podcast? I really don't like the perception that some people have of kinky people some people think you know they have it in their minds that everybody you know one of my biggest problems with the secretary was that here are these two people they're both kind of unstable right mm. um, you know I should say they're when it comes to on the, on the unstable on, on the unstability scale they're pretty normal on the unstable <laughs> you know, but they're still you know I wanted people to know that look there's regular people who are into this you know and also there maybe there's some people out there who would be listening who felt like they were weird or felt like they were the only normal person or or something you know i wanted people i've really i've really enjoyed the emails when i get emails from people saying saying that you know thank you so much for the podcast because i played it for my boyfriend and now i could tell him that i was dominant or submissive or whatever you know Mm -hmm. or vice versa and, or, you know, a couple that listens and they, you know, there's this couple who listens and they're in the Midwest and they're, they're like in this really small town and they've always felt kind of isolated, even though they're on the websites and they're always on the web, on the web mm-hmm. and that's their social network because their, their real family is the kinky people that are on the web. You know, they don't get to hear them obviously and they don't get to socialize. And I guess, I guess just, you know, that sort of reaching out thing that you know radio and podcast does it you know it it uh i like the fact that this podcast you know this episode whether i stop if i stop doing it next month let's say if, let's say next month there's no more massacast but it's still be online 10 years from now someone can still listen to this and still be affected by it right like, they can either be offended by it or they can be turned on by it you know I like that, you know. Just finding connection, yeah. Yeah. Bring the conversation to the living room. Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs)